الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى We're going to carry on the explanation of the kitab Safinatu Al-Najah. Alhamdulillah, we were in the kitab, Kitab Al-Tahara. And the last lesson, we uh, spoke about Furud Al-Wudu. The things that uh, are obligatory for a person to do in Wudu. Today, inshallah ta'ala, the author goes into uh, another section. Uh, and he says... Faslun, uh, chapter or section. Al-ma'u qaleelun wa kathirun. The author, rahimahullah, he goes into the chapter of al-miyah, water. So inshallah ta'ala, we're going to go into fi bayani aqsami al-miyah. So we're going to go into um, fossil, this chapter, and in this fossil, we're going to be speaking about uh, Bayan Aqsam Al Miyah Wa and its rulings. Okay, in this chapter, we're going to learn the author, Rahimahullah, categorized the water into two. So, the water are two types, he said, Al Qalil. And uh, Al-Kathir. So the water are two types, according to the author, Al-Qalil and Al-Kathir. So before we go into that, I just want to explain that um, why do we study the chapter of um, why do we study the chapter of water? Water is the asal. When it comes to purification, the asal for purification is water. Okay? And the uh, second form of purification is at-tayammum, which is the earth. So the scholars, that's why they start with the first one, which is al-miyah water. Because the water is the asal. And Allah Ta'ala said in the Quran, وَأَنزَلْنَا مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً طَهُورًا that we sent down from the sky pure water. We sent down from the sky pure water. And also Allah Ta'ala wa ta'ala, he said in the Quran, um, uh, And we sent down Allah Ta'ala, wa ta'ala, he says, from the sky water which you can purify yourself with. Okay? So the water according to the Quran and the Sunnah is that it's clean. The, that's why the Prophet Sallallahu when he was asked about Al-Ma'ul uh, Bahr, the water of the ocean and the sea, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, huwa tahuru ma'uh al-hillu maytatuh. Huwa tahuru ma'uh al-hillu maytatuh. That the water of the ocean is pure, and it can also purify, and um, the dead that you find in the ocean are also halal for you to eat. So what we take from that is number one, that the default position of water is that it's pure. Okay? That the water is clear. It is pure. That's why the author, rahimahullah, he felt the necessity and the need to go into the chapter of water and its rulings. And the author, rahimahullah, then said that the water is either large in quantity, uh, low in, uh, little in quantity, or it's large in quantity. Those are the two types. Al-Qaleel and Al-Kathir. Um, now, what is the dabid? Dabid means how do we determine whether the water is little or the water is a lot? How do we determine that the water is little or the water is a lot? How do we determine it? What is it that we need in order to say this water um, is little or that which is a lot? The author gave it to you. He said, ma. Duna, uh, that which is below, he said, al qullatain Anything below qullatain 
is little. And the large Al-Kathir is Al-Qullatan Fa'akthar. Okay. And a lot is Al-Qullatan Fa'akthar. So if the water is little, we'll say it's lower than Qullatan. And if it's more than Qullat, if it's Qullatan or more, it's a lot of water. Again, I repeat. According to the Shafi'i Madhab, according to the Madhab that we're studying, they divide the water into these two types. A little bit, I'm a l- small in quantity, and large in quantity. The Shafi'iyah, they call the amount that is small in quantity, they call it Madun al-Qullatayn. That which is below Qullatayn. Okay, that which is below Qullatayn. And they say a lot of water is Qullatan and more. Or Qullatan and more. The question here is, what is the Qullatan? What's the measurement for Qullatan? Okay, what is it? The author, he... He never mentioned it in the matan. Lakin, the qullatan is khamsamia ratlin baghdadi, which is disputed. And I'm going to give it to you guys in accordance to liters. So 190 liters up to 216 liters. The qullatan. The measurement of a qullatan is disputed. The lowest that I've come across that was mentioned is 190 liters. And the largest, um, the highest that was mentioned was 216. So in between the two is 26 liters. There's a dispute of 26. If you put three, 13 here and you put 13 here, the, the middle number is going to be the fair to say that the Qullatan is. Okay? So Shafi'iyah believe that the water is either large in quantity or little in quantity. In, quanti- in quantity. Okay. I hope that's, that's understood. That the students have understood that point. This particular uh, point that the author, Rahimahullah, is mentioning. Hey, let's go in. And there's a reason why Mentioning this is very important. Okay. The author then says, the author then says, Faslun chapter. Al-ma'u qalilun. The water is little. Wa kathirun and it's also a lot. Fal-qalilu, that which is little, is ma'dun al-qullatayni, that which is lower than qullatayn. Well, kathiru and that which is large in quantity according to the Shafi'iyah is qullatani fa'akthar. It is two qullatan and more. Al-qalilu yanjusu bi wuqu'in najasati fi wa in lam yatagayyar. Okay. The little, it becomes impure if it comes in contact with impurity. Pay attention to this. Even if it does not change. If the water is below Qullatayn, the water is below Qullatayn, it's below Qullatayn, Madun al-Qullatayn, so it's little, according to Jav, if it's Qalil, they believe if it comes in contact with impurity, it becomes impure whether it changes it or not. And the changing can happen in three ways. Three ways it gets changed. We're going to see it, inshallah ta'ala. The first one is the ta'am, the taste. The second way it can change is uh, loan, the color. And the third one is arrih, the, the, the odor and the smell. If it changes in these three, it becomes impure. 
The Shafi'iyya lakin are saying, if the water is below Qullatayn, it doesn't even have to change. These three don't have to change. If it's little, and little to them is Madun al-Qullatayn, they are saying that that water is impure. That water is what? Impure. That's what the Shafi'iyya are saying. Where did they get that from? What is the, where are they getting that argument from? Is, I hope everyone's with me. Where are the Shafi'iyya getting that argument from? I mean, where is, what's their evidence for this? The evidence is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar. Abdullah ibn Umar, and he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِذَا بَلَغَ الْمَاءِ if the water reaches قلتين, that the Prophet ﷺ was said to say إذا بلغ الماء قلتين, if the water reaches قلتين, لم يحمل الخبث, the water is not going to be filthy okay pay attention to this so this is the hadith إذا Balaga alma kulla tain lam yahmil. Okay, this is the hadith. If the water reaches, this is their evidence. The Shafi'i's evidence in this issue is if the water reaches kulla tain. The water reaches Qullatayn. That water is, cannot take filth. Okay, this is the evidence. You have to understand the dalala, how they are going to extract it from it. The hadith has two things that we can take from it. It has a mantuq. And it also has a mafum. I'll explain what that means. The Shafi'iyya are saying our evidence to show if the our evidence to show that if a water is little in quantity, that it becomes impure regardless of whether these three change, regardless of whether it changes or not, it doesn't matter to us. That it's we consider that water to be impure. They said it's this hadith. Now I, I'm gonna be the Kareem without overwhelming you. I'm going to bring down the discussion for you. The discussion is as follows. And this is a very long discussion amongst the Shafi'iyah and others. And so it's very important that you understand it before you strengthen one opinion over the other. I mentioned at the beginning of the class that the water, it's pure. As Allah mentioned in the Quran, We sent down from the sky pure water. Abdullah ibn Abbas, and he said, all of the water from the earth had come from the sky. So all of the water is pure. In its original essence is that the water is pure. And this is a consensus amongst the ulama. Ibn al-Mundir rahimahullah transmitted the consensus. That there's a ijma' amongst the ulama, unanimous agreement, that the default position of water is that it's pure. I hope everybody understands this point. That the water is pure. That's the default position. What is the discussion? The discussion is something that the Shafi'iyah said. The Shafi'iyah said that the water that's little in quantity, it becomes impure if it comes in contact with impurity. If it comes in contact with impurity, that that water is impure. The Shafi'iyah are using evidence. We're going to come to the evidence. It's what I wrote on the board. But before I go into the evidence, both parties agree on two things. Both parties, meaning the Shafi'iyah and the other Ufuqaha, they agree on two things, which is the water in its default position is that, is that it's pure. Shafi'iyah agreed to that and the other party of scholars agree to that. That the default position of water is that it's pure. Water is tahir. Water originally is pure. Okay? And it is also mutahir, it can purify you. They, they all agree on that. 
The second thing that they also agree upon is if the water is large, the water is large, and it changes, its smell changes, its taste changes, its color changes, they both agree that that water is impure as well. I hope that, that's understood. So there's two things they agree upon. The first is that the default position of water is that it's pure and it purify, uh, purifies others. The second thing that they all agree upon is what? The second thing that they all agree upon is that any water, whether it's little or, or a lot, it doesn't matter, any water that changes in terms of its color, taste, so the color changes, the taste changes, the fragrance change, changes, they also agree that it's impure. Those two is a ijma. There's, there's, there's a consensus on that. There's no difference of opinion. The difference of opinion is this, which is something that the Shafi'iyah are bringing on, on board, that they're bringing into the discussion, which is, what about if the water is very little? It's little water. And someone comes and urinates in this water. And it's very little. Yeah. This little water, its taste hasn't changed. Its smell hasn't changed. And its um, color hasn't changed. Ayyuhal Shafi'iyya, what do you say about this? Shafi'iyya is saying this water is impure based on what? Bimujarradil mulaqat. Just the fact that it came in contact with impurity. This is now the discussion amongst them and the other scholars. The other scholars are saying, La, that water is pure. It's tahirun mutahir. It pure and it purifies. That's what the other scholars are saying. Because they said, Allah says in the Quran, that we sent down from the sky pure water. How have you removed it from its purity? Bring us your evidence. Shafi'i said, we have our evidence. Shafi'i are saying, we have our evidence. And our evidence is this hadith, hadith, hadith Ibn Umar. Hadith Ibn Umar is our evidence. This hadith, of course, Imam Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah and others narrated it. It has in it fiqh that we can take from it. What is the fiqh that we can take from it? If the water reaches qullatain, the water reached qullatain. So, it, so it's, it's there. The water does not take impurity. So the water reached qullatain. So it's a lot. Shafi'i say, look, this hadith is saying, if the water reaches, so it's a large amount of water, it can't take impurity. That's the mantuq of the hadith. That's the statement of the hadith. The, the, the direct information that we take from this hadith, the direct instruction that we take from this hadith is that if the water is large in quantity, it never gets impure. That's what we take from it. Okay, like the ocean. If someone goes now and urinates inside the ocean, you can't really change anything from the ocean. The ocean is too big. Good. But the Shafi'iyah said the hadith has a mafhum. The hadith has a what? A mafhum. Mafhum means we, there is an information that we can take from this hadith that's not seen from the direct instruction. It's understood from the reverse. Which is what? The hadith says, If the water reaches qullatain, what about if the water didn't reach qullatain, Shafi'iyah said? Meaning, is Here it says, Shafi'iyah is saying, It does then take impurity. That's our understanding from the hadith. That's the understanding they're saying. Are we all together? Shafi'iyah using this mafhum. They're saying that the hadith said, if the water reaches qullatain, it does not take impurity. The reverse understanding is, if the water does not reach, because this is saying, if it reaches qullatain. He said, the Shafi'iyah is saying, no, what about if it doesn't reach qullatain, then it does take impurity. That's their argument. Okay, is that understood? Now... We have a problem here, which is Shafi'iyah 
you guys are using mafhum. Okay? You're using a mafhum. And understanding that the hadith didn't say that. Okay? The hadith didn't say that is what you understood from the hadith. What the hadith did say, on the other hand, is that if the water reaches qullatayn, it doesn't take impurity. This is your understanding, ayyuhal shafi'iyah. And the shafi'iyah then said, the mafhum is mu'tabar. The mafhum is, 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 a, is something we can use. Why not? Why can we not take it? Why can we not take it? Mafhum is what we can take on board. And an example that they gave for using mafhum generally, or evidences that we can, we can take from mafhum, is that Allah says, Allah says to us in the Quran, subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah says to us in the Quran, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّاهُ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِبَرَ أَحَدُهُمَا أَوْ كِلَاهُمَا فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفٍ Do not say uff to your mom. The ayah says, do not say uff to your mom. And then the montuk of the ayah, the direct instruction of the ayah is that we can't say uff to our mothers. But what about hitting your mother? Can you hit your mother? Now we're going to say the mafum of the ayah is that. The understanding that we take from the ayah is that if you can't do what is less, which is to say uff only, then of course you can't hear her. Something less was prohibited. But where did you get from that we can't hit her? That's a mafum. That's a what? Mafum. Mafum meaning it wasn't mentioned in the ayah. And of course the mafum are different. Mafum which is muwafaqa, mafum which is mukhalafa, and there's different types. We're not going to go into that now. It's not a lesson of usul al-fiqh. But I just wanted to give you an understanding of the concept of mafum. Now, the other scholars, they came back. They said, Shafi'iyah, we have a question. Ayyuhal Shafi'iyah. Oh, Shafi'iyah, we have a question. We want to talk to you guys. Shafi'iyah said, Fadl. They said, Shafi'iyah, you are saying that we've, there's a mafum that we took from the hadith. Yes. What about if this mafum is opposing a mantuq of another hadith? And remember, the mantuq, which is what is taken directly from the hadith, always takes precedence over what is understood from the hadith. Okay, this is important. What is understood from the hadith is not as powerful as what the hadith directly instructs us. This hadith directly instructs us that if the water reaches qullatayn, that it doesn't take impurity, which is that it's pure, like the ocean and etc. The reverse understanding that you took from this hadith, ayyuhal shafi'iyah, now opposes a mantuq. What is the mantuq? The hadith of the Prophet where he said, Alma, the water, tahirun, la yunajisuhu shay'. Alma, water, tahirun, water is pure, la yunajisuhu shay'. Nothing can make it impure. Okay. Yom of whom has now been pushed by a direct statement of the Prophet, which is what? Alma water. And these two are water. Ayyuhal Shafi'iyah. Oh Shafi'iyah. Alma tahirun. The water is pure. La yunajisuhu shay. Nothing makes it impure. You have a mafhum here that you're using. It's opposing the mantuq. Ayyuhal Shafi'iyah. What's your response? What is your? What is your response? Shafi'iyah looked at the hadith and they thought about it. Because the Shafi'iyah hold usul al-fiqh daily. They hold it daily. They give a lot of weight to usul al-fiqh. And that's a science that they believe their own imam was the one who brought it up. And it was the one who uh, wrote it as a subject. Al-Imam Shafi'i was the one who actually wrote usul al-fiqh. Na, Al-Imam Shafi'i. Rahimahullahu ta'ala. وأول من ألفه في الكتب محمد بن شافع المطلب وغيره كان له سليقة مثل الذي للعرب من خليقة. الإمام الشافعي was the first person to place أصول الفقه, right? So the Shafi'iyya they went back to the discussion again and they said, okay, look, you guys are right. This reverse understanding that we took from this hadith, you're right, it goes against the direct instruction of the Prophet here. And we, they're saying, you're right. What is understood can never be made equal to what was said. Because this is what the Prophet said. And this is what we understood from what the Prophet said. 
They said, but we are saying that what we're using here is khas. Khas meaning it's specific to the qalil. This hadith is specific to the issue of the quantity and the amount of water. And this hadith is am. Am meaning it's referring to al-ma, jinsul ma. It's talking about all types of water. So it's a general statement here. And this is a specific statement. Shafi'iya said, when there's ta'aruf al khasi wal am, if a specific and a general are both contradicting one another, which one do you give precedence to? They said that we used to always give precedence to the specific over the general. And so according to them, they said that this is uh, why we hold this opinion strong. Like in here, there's a discussion now. Can a mafhum, which is khas, be pushed and given precedence over to a mantuq, which is am? That's another discussion for usulul fiqh. So another usuli discussion that we don't want to go into. Okay? Anyways, it's a, it's a longer, longer discussion in books of fiqh. Um, and as I said before, uh, I'm not one who wants to go too deep uh, into... Um, I didn't want to go too deep into the discussion because it's not um, what this book is about. This book, the whole purpose for it is that it's a beginner book. And so there was, there's no need for us to go too detailed into it. But I felt like it's, it's going to be very easily understood, inshallah ta'ala. You guys will be able to understand it. And I'll take questions at the end, bi-idhni If you have any questions, I'll answer it for you at the end, inshallah ta'ala. Let's go over the text again. So the author, rahimahullah, he said, Faslun chapter. Al-ma'u qalilun, water is little. Wa kathirun, and it's also large. So the water is two types. A large quantity and a little quantity. Large or little. The large, we said, is al-qullatani fa'akthar. It's two qulla and more. And little is what? Fal-qalilu madun al-qullatain. And little is madun al-qullatain. It's what's below qullatain. Al-qalil is madun al-qullatain. Wal-kathiru qullatani fa'akthar. Al-qalilu yatanajjasu bi wuku'in najasati fi wa illam yatagayyar. So Shafi'iyya believe the little amount it becomes impure. It becomes impure if it comes in contact with impurity, whether it changes or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter according to the Shafi'iyya. Here's a discussion now. Here's another point that the Shafi'iyya believe. Is the water that's little, that comes in contact with the impurity, mm-hmm, that comes in contact with the impurity, it comes in contact with impurity. Um, are there conditions for it or is it just unrestricted? Shafi'iyah, they have conditions. I'm going to mention three of their conditions. Three most prominent conditions. There are three conditions for that little water. If it comes in contact with uh, impurity, that it becomes impure. Shafi'iyah have three conditions. The first one is, وُرُودُ النَّجَاسَةِ عَلَيْهِ Shafi'iyah, they first of all, they say, that the water, the impurity has to come on top of the water. Uh, there's a, there's a, this is the reason why they're saying this. They're saying that the water is somewhere and then the impurity goes on top of the water. That's our first condition. Why are they saying that? Because they want to escape the statement of the Prophet ﷺ when he said, uh, when he asked Salawatullah when Prophet asked for a bucket of water, remember the, the Bedouin man uh, who came to the masjid, uh, the Bedouin man who came into the masjid and he urinated in the side of the masjid. He went to the corner and he urinated. And when the Bedouin man urinated, the Messenger he called for what? He called for a danuba mimma. He said, get me a bucket of water. And the bucket is lower than qullatain. Okay? It's less than qullatain. And the man urinated. And so the Prophet ﷺ commanded that water to be poured over the urine of the man. And then the Shafi'iyah believed that that water would be impure. How can it purify? Sahih? 
So they want to leave that i'tirad, that point that can be brought against them. So they said the first condition is that the, the impurity has to be brought to the water. If the water is the thing that's going on the impurity, it's a different discussion, they said. It's a different discussion. Very good. Does that make sense? It's important. Number two, you have to be sure that the urine came in contact with the water. So someone's doubtful. I don't know. Did they come in contact? No. Because the asal is that the water is tahirun mutahir. In order to remove the water from its purity, you need yaqeen, certainty. And they're saying, shak, doubt, cannot remove it. Al-yaqeenu la yuzalu bishak. Am al-yaqeenu la yazulu bishak. That the yaqeen cannot be removed the certainty cannot be removed with doubts. We are sure that the water is pure. We're sure. We know that the water is pure. Now that we know that the water is pure, in order to remove it from that position of purity, we would need, we would need to be certain that it came in contact with impurity. Number three is antakuna najasatu munajisatu lahu. The third condition is that the impurity makes it impure. It has to make it impure. That's what they said. It has to make it impure. And we're going to come to that in more details, inshallah, what they mean by that, inshallah. Now the Shafi'i are going into the water which is large in quantity. The water which is large in quantity, it doesn't become impurity. It doesn't become impure. It doesn't become impure. unless the taste changes. Or the color changes. Or its smell and the fragrance changes. These three, these three, if it changes, the water becomes, according uh, to the scholars, it becomes a water which is uh, impure. You can't use it anymore. Lakin, the thing that the water can get in contact with are two things. If the water comes in contact with something which is pure in, its, in and within itself, so something pure comes in contact with a large quantity of water, it comes in contact with water, if it changes one of its descriptions, I mean one of its characteristics, it changes It changes either the color, or it changes the taste, or it changes the fragrance. And that thing which is changing it is a pure thing. So something pure came and changed the water. For example, tea, tea bag. You take a tea bag, you got hot water, and you put the tea bag inside the water. Now the tea bag is pure, okay, and the water is pure. That water is tahir, it's pure. We will call that water pure. Lakin it is not mutahir, it can't purify. Okay? That water is pure, but it can't purify. What about if the water comes in contact with something? And it, and it makes it change its color or its taste or its fragrance. It makes it change one of those three. And that thing is impure that came in contact with the water. Then this water is not only um, not only can it not purify you, but it's not pure in and within itself. It's not pure in and within itself. So the water can either be pure in and within itself, but not be able to purify you. Or it is pure in and within itself and it can purify you. Okay. So the water that's pure in and within itself But cannot purify Is the water that comes in contact With something that is pure And it changes one of three from it It changes the taste It changes the color And it changes the fragrance If That which Came to the water I mean, That which has come in contact with the water Is an impure thing It's an impure thing Then 
and it then makes it change its color, and then it makes it change its taste, and it makes it change its, in, uh, in its uh, fragrance, then this water is considered to be غَيْرُ uh, It's not pure in and within itself. There's no use for it. So tea, for example, is pure. Um, these orange juices and apple juice and whatnot, they're pure. But they can't purify us. We can't do wudu with it. The water that's pure can do three things for us. Sorry, the water which is pure and purifies, it can do three things for us. Uh, three things we use for it. The first one is al-ghusl. Al-wudu. najasa The water that purifies, that's pure in and within itself, and it can also purify, is the one that we can do ghusl with. Okay? Because this is the maqsad. This is the objective of the water. Ghusl. I do full ghusl. Or al-wudu. I can do wudu from it. Or izalatul najasa. Or I can remove impurities that have fallen onto me. Something impure is on my clothes, I clean it with it. Or someone urinates in the masjid, for example. We need water which is tahir, mutahir. This is important. The water is tahir. And it also has to, plus it has to be mutahir. Tahir means it's pure in and within itself. So tea is tahir. Okay? Tea is tahir. Um, mountain dew is definitely tahir. Oh, definitely. Mountain dew is definitely tahir, inshallah ta'ala. <laughs> okay? Try Mountain Dew. Try out. Tea is Tahir. These are Tahir. Mutahir means what? Purifying others. Can tea purify someone? No. What do we mean by purifying someone? We mean you can't use it for ghusl. We mean you can't do wudu with it. And we mean you can't use it for izalatul najasa. Okay? But what can you do with it if it's Tahir? You can cook. You can drink. You can utilize it in other things, but you cannot utilize it in these three. Okay? You cannot utilize it in those three. That's important, inshallah ta'ala. Now we're going to go into the next chapter, which is Faslun Mujibatul Ghusli Sittatun. We're now going to go into, because we've understood that water purifies. Okay, we've studied it. Now we're going to go into what can you do ghusl with. So the author now wants to go into one of those three. We've spoken about al wudu already. We're now going to go into al ghusl. What are the things that make ghusl wajib? What is it that makes ghusl wajib? Meaning, you have to do ghusl from it. Okay? The first thing is, the author mentioned, so the first thing that the author, rahimahullah, mentioned is, ilajul hashafati fil farji. So the first one is, that makes it impure, I mean, that necessitates ghusl, is one second.
one second. So the first one that um, necessitates the ghusl becomes wajib is The two private parts coming into contact. That's what it is. The two private parts, the male and the female's private part coming into contact. And this is important because um, the, nothing more than that has to happen. There's nothing more than that that has to happen. Just the fact that these two private parts come into contact in necessitates ghusl. Okay? I have to be a bit more explicit, inshallah ta'ala, and it's not something I, I like to speak about, but it's, there's a necessity for it, inshallah ta'ala. And that is, some, some people have the belief that the only time the ghusl becomes obligatory is after the husband. Uh, reaches the um, the husband reaches ejaculation. They believe that's the only time when the ghusl becomes wajib. Or the wife. That's what they believe. Lakin it's khata. It's a mistake. If the two genitals, the husband and the wife, they come into contact and even if they stop from that moment onwards, ghusl is wajib. If those two private parts Touch each other. Mujarrad of touching. Just merely touching. Um, it becomes obligatory for them to do usul. And this is based on the hadith of Abi, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari. So the evidence for this point of the author is the hadith of Abi Musa al-Ash'ari. That the Prophet ﷺ, if the husband sits between the woman's four, he sits in between her legs, and the two private parts touch, the ghusl becomes wajib. Another narration says, if the two private parts come into contact, then the ghusl becomes obligatory. It's obligatory. Okay? That's the first one. That's the first point. The word hashafati is a private part of the man. And the word al-farji is the woman's private part. Okay? That's what the word hashafa uh, means. Ilajna, it means wusul, reaches. Okay? Or comes in contact with. That's what it means. So the word hashafa is the man's private part. And al-farj is the woman's private part. So it means ilajul hashafati fil farji. It's when the man's private part meets the woman's private part. Wa khurujul maniyi. Wa khurujul maniyi. Khurujul maniyi means it's the second step, which is if the man reaches ejaculation. Okay? This also necessitates ghusl as well, which is al ma min al ma. Water is from water. Okay? Al Imam Muslim narrated this. And this is based on the hadith of Sa'id al Khudri. Some people might say to themselves, but why would the author mention this if he's already mentioned ilajul hashafati fil farji? If the author has already said, if the two private parts come into contact, then the ghusl becomes wajib. Why would he then after mention that khurujul mani? He's already mentioned a step before that, which the ghusl became obligatory. Why would he... Um, why would he then have to mention this? He, he's mentioning this if that if the ejaculation happens without any sexual intercourse. Like a wet dream. Like any other means. If a person reaches khurujul mani, ejaculation comes, a person re, the mani comes out, then ghusl is wajib. The mani the scholars, they say it can come from the man and it can also come from the woman. It can come from both of them. It can come from the man and it can also come from the woman. And the evidence that it can come from the woman is the hadith narrated by Umm Salam radiallahu anha. She said, Ja'at Umm Sulaym ila Rasulillah. Umm Sulaym, who's the mother of Anas ibn Malik, she came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Faqalat ya Rasulallah. She said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, 
Allah is not shy from the truth. Allah is not shy from the truth. She's the message of Allah. If a woman has a wet dream, does she have to do ghusl? The Prophet said, Naam iba ra'atil ma. Yes, if she sees the water. If she sees lubricant, if she sees fluid, then she has to uh, she has to make sure that she does ghusl. So somebody had a wet dream, they had the feeling. But when they woke up in the morning, they didn't see anything. But they had the feeling. Okay. They had the wet, they had the dream. But then when they woke up, nothing was there. No trace, no sign, no nothing. This does not necessitate ghusl. The feeling does not necessitate ghusl. What necessitates ghusl is if you see the if you see the fluid. Um Sulaiman when she said that to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, When Um Sulaim asked that question, Um Salama covered her face. She got shy, the Prophet's wife, Um Salama. Um Sulaim asked that question. Um Salama was sitting there. She became very shy from what the, her, her sister Um Sulaim asked. And then the Prophet وسلم, while he was sitting there, Um Sulaim asked a question. She said, Ya Rasulullah, Um Sulaim said, Does a woman have a, a wet dream? Does that happen to a woman? He said, Yes. He said, Yes. And then she, the Prophet then carried on saying to her, Taribat yaminuka, may your, hand, your right hand be dusted. Fabima yushbihu waladuha, who does the child look like? Who does the child look like? The Prophet is trying to say, alayhi salatu salam here, that whoever from the husband and wife reach the ejaculation first, the child most likely looks like that one. وهكذا, and things like that. The scholars extracted from the hadith. على كل حال خروج المني خروج المني The many coming from the man. The many is not impure. I, I, what I mean by that is the many itself is not impure. But the person becomes impure from when they reach that moment. Like in the many, is not something that is impure. Yani if it goes in somewhere, it's not impure. Okay? It's not impure. That's important that to be understood. How do we know the many from all the other forms of liquids that come from men? How do you know that from the rest? They say that the mani is the one that necessitates from it, comes from it, a child. It is the one that, as fuqaha say, it is the one that when the person, it happens to them, they reach tiredness, fatigue, and joy. So that's the mani. That's how they distinguish it from the madi and the wadi. Okay? The wadi and the mani. And the wadi, that's how they distinguish one from the other. Good. Number three. The third thing that necessitates ghusl is al-haydu. Al-haydu, menstruation. Al-haydu, it means... Um, it means... Um, the menstruation of the woman The menstruation blood The woman has a monthly cycle that comes That, men that monthly cycle Is called hayd The women they receive three types of bloods There's three types of bloods That the women receive The first one is called al-haydu Al-haydu is menstruation Women should study that 
They need to know that and understand it. And the rulings regarding that. This al-haydu is a damun tabi'iyun. It's a natural blood. Okay? And it comes min aqsar rahim al-mar'ah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about it in the Quran. Yas'alunaka anil mahid. Qul huwa adhan fa'atazilu nisa'a fil mahid. Wala taqrabuhunna hatta yatharna. Fa'idha tatahharna fa'atuhunna min haythu amarakumullah. Allah says, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ They ask you, Muhammad, عَنِ الْمَحِيضِ They ask you about the woman who's on her menstruation. Say to them, قُلْ هُوَ أَذَنْ Say that is a state of impurity. فَعَتَزِلُ النِّسَاءَ Stay away from the woman sexually while she's on her menstruation. You're not allowed to have any sexual intercourse with the woman whilst she's on her menstruation. Allah is saying that. وَلَا تَقْرَبُوهُنَّ حَتَّى يَطْرُنَ Until they, they do tahara. فَإِذَا تَطَهَرْنَ But when they purify themselves, فَأْتُوهُنَّ مِنْ حَيْثُ أَمَرَكُمُ اللَّهِ Come to them the way Allah commanded you to come to them. Now this hadith shows us, I mean this ayah, sorry, shows us that the woman on her menstruation is not a state of purity. Because Allah said, قُلْ هُوَ أَذَن Okay, it's harm. And the uh, adhan is that it's harm. لكن the ayah clearly says, until they purify themselves. So what we understand from that is that they are not pure. When the woman's on her menstruation, she's not pure. She's in a state of impurity. She's in a state of impurity. So, if the women, they do tahara. Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah, he came with a view which is strange. Shaykh al-Albani came with a view which is strange, strange opinion. And that view is, فَإِذَا تَطَهَرْنَا He said that if the woman purify herself, Shaykh al-Albani said, if the woman's menstruation comes to an end and she washes her private part, the husband can have sexual intercourse with her even if she doesn't do ghusl. She hasn't done ghusl yet. She's not done yet ghusl. All that's happened is that her menstruation has ended. She's washed her private part. Shaykh al-Albani is saying, at this moment, he can have sexual intercourse with her. Because his definition of the fa'idah tataharna, which the other fuqaha mentioned is, fa'idah tasalna. If they, beautiful, if they shower and they do ghusl, fa'idah tataharna to the fuqaha, Especially the Shafi'iyah is that فَإِذَا تَطَهَرْنَا It means فَإِذَا اَخْتَسَلْنَا If they do ghusl, then come to them. And Shaykh Al-Bani said that if she washes her private part. And that's weak. That Shaykh Al-Bani, his view is very weak. It's not strong. And the evidence that it's weak is that the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he said فَإِذَا أَقْبَلَتِ الْحَيْضَةِ if the menstruation comes, salata, leave off the prayer. The Prophet said what? If the menstruation happens to the woman and it comes, the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, salata, leave off the prayer. وَإِذَا أَدْبَرَتْ So if the menstruation comes, leave off the prayer. وَإِذَا أَدْبَرَتْ And when the, uh, sorry, when the hayr comes, leave off the salah. And when the hayr leaves and it goes, وَإِذَا أَدْبَرَتْ فَاغْتَسِلِي وَصَلِّي And when the hayr leaves, فَاغْتَسِلِي Do ghusl. The Prophet said, فَاغْتَسِلِي means do ghusl. Very good. The second type of blood that comes from the woman and is known as nifas. Men, postnatal bleeding. Postnatal bleeding is the blood that comes from the woman after wilad, after she gives birth. After giving birth, there is 40 days that the woman bleeds for. This one is called postnatal bleeding. The ulama, by unanimous agreement, ittifaqan, there's no difference of opinion. They all agree that the hayd and the nifas are one and the other. 
يعني the woman's postnatal bleeding and her menstruation uh, blood are both the same. So the hayd and the nifas are mulhaqan. So the nifas is mulhaq of the hayd wifaqan by unanimous agreement. There's no khilaf. Keep that in mind. Because what they say is that the nifas, the postnatal bleeding, what is it? It is the blood of the menstruation that was trapped for that period of the pregnancy. For the period of pregnancy, the menstruation was trapped. Once she gives birth, it's that blood that comes out. Whatever the situation is, the hayd and the nifas are one and the other. They mean the same. They mean the same. Mean they're both the same in terms of ahkam rulings. Okay? Both the same. Walwilada. Walwilada. Wilada, according to the Shafi'iyah, they believe it's also ghusl. When the woman gives birth, the birth. They believe it necessitates ghusl. Wilada necessitates ghusl. The reason why the Shafi'iyah believe that is because the wilada fluid will always come from you. Even if the woman doesn't bleed. There are Fluid, there is many, there is things that are going to come out from her that will necessitate ghusl. That's their illah, that's their reasoning. That's not their dalil. Remember, some of their dalil is based on illah, reasoning. They're saying that all of the things that were mentioned before, like al-mani, many. When the woman gives birth, the many comes out. Many will come out of her. Also, other things will come out from her. So they said, this is definitely that which necessitates ghusl. Walmautu and death. The word maut is mufaraqatu arruhu lil jasadi. Maut is when the uh, person dies. Shafi'iyah believe that the death in necessity is obligatory to. Um, to do ghusl. Who is an exception? The exception here is the martyr. The martyr is not, ghusl is not done for him. He's not done for him. The exception is, is that one. And that is based on the hadith of Umm Atiyah in the Bukhari. That the Prophet ﷺ, he said, wash it three times or five times or more. With what? Bima'in wa sidrin. Wash it with water and the sidr tree. And then the Prophet said, make the last kafuran. Use the kafur as the last thing for the washing. And also the story that Ibn Abbas narrated in Bukhari and Muslim. Uh, the man who his beast killed him, he fell from it. The Prophet said, wash it bima'in wa sidrin wa kaffinuhu fi thawbihi and shroud him with his garment and do not put no perfume or anything, don't cover his head. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala will resurrect him yawm al-qiyamati mulabbiyan in the state of ihram. And this man was in a state of ihram. Now there's an issue that we can cover which is some people who die uh, with the coronavirus, COVID-19. The COVID-19, some people die from it. And some people are saying, can you wash it? Are they martyrs? And etc. The issue that first of all needs to be discussed and understood is, COVID-19, is it a plague? Which is a ta'ud? Or is it just a pandemic? A waba. And according to the scholars, 
there are a difference. There is a difference between ta'un and a pandemic. A ta'un means a plague. Okay? A ta'un is a what? It's a plague. And a waba' is a, an, a pandemic. So, first of all, we have to discuss whether the COVID-19 is a plague or if it's just a pandemic. What is the difference between the two? The plague has a different ahkam and rulings that come for it. Whereas a pandemic is a illness that spreads. Just spreads. Whereas a plague is not just an illness that spreads. And so that needs more discussion inshallah ta'ala. And I think that needs to be looked into even further more. So without that being answered, whether it's a martyr or not cannot be answered. Because the issue of shahada that the people are looking at is from the fact that it's a plague. They're saying it's a plague. And if it's a plague, they're saying it's a martyr. Because of the hadith that have come from the Prophet that the plague is a shahada. Inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to stop there bi-idhnillahi al-kareem. I'm going to take questions um, for the remaining of the class. We'll leave the furud uh, al-ghusl, uh, the required, uh, the obligatory acts that must be done in ghusl for next, next week, inshallah ta'ala. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and shaitan, and Allah and his messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illallah, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.